Welcome to Voices from the Field, a podcast produced by the National Collaborating Center for Indigenous Health. NCCIH focuses on innovative research and community-based initiatives promoting the health and well-being of First Nation, Inuit, and Métis peoples in Canada. In this episode, Aluki Koktuk, the president of Nunavut Tungavik Incorporated, speaks to the ongoing inequities that put Inuit at greater risk during the COVID-19 pandemic. She also speaks to the challenges some communities and households face trying to follow public health guidelines around physical distancing and hand hygiene. Guidelines not always available in Inuktitut. We'll also hear how Inuit organizations and communities have done their part to build on the swift response by Nunavut's chief public health officer to help the territory stay COVID-19 free. Luki, can you speak about the funding and infrastructural deficits in the North that put Inuit more at risk during a pandemic like COVID-19? Well, I think the infrastructure deficits um, in Nunavut, as well as in other Inuit regions across Inuit Nunangat, have been well documented over the years. I think um, now that we're, we find ourselves in a global pandemic, uh, we were very concerned about um, the impact and the spread that would occur when and if um, COVID-19 arrived into our communities. We know we have a, a, a housing crisis. Um, we know that there's um, a large portion of our population that are challenged with food security. We know many Inuits live under the poverty line. And so, and, and we can see that infectious diseases such as tuberculosis or RSV continue to be prevalent in our communities before the global pandemic. And so we knew that if, if and when it arrived into our communities, the likelihood of it would spread um, quickly because of these infrastructure uh, deficits that we have. Um, when we listen to the public health messaging about the global pandemic, we hear um, the ways in which to approach it is to practice physical distancing. But that's very difficult when you have an overcrowded housing unit where many people of all generations are living um, in the same dwelling. We hear that um, elders are particularly vulnerable. So in that circumstance, for instance, we particularly worry about how in an overcrowded housing unit where there are many generations living in that same dwelling, how it would spread. Um, we know, for instance, in the, in the circumstances of um, tuberculosis, uh, the two main factors that contribute to the spread and maintenance of tuberculosis continuing to be a challenge in our communities is the overcrowded housing, um, as well as uh, food insecurity. We also know that, um, I mean, for quite some time now, I've been talking about how in Nunavut, uh, we know children go to bed hungry every night and that it's seven out of ten children, Inuit children, going to bed hungry every night. Recently, in the, the spring, we, we, there was new, a new study that came out that indicated that instead of getting better, it's actually getting worse. So even though 
um, currently we have no confirmed COVID-19 case. We have these circumstances under which Inuit live that um, highlight the inequities that Inuit live under and that are, in my view, already a crisis mode. And then on top of that, we're in a global crisis where we're all trying to fight and make sure that COVID-19 doesn't come into our community. So in that context, I, 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 I praise the chief public health officer of Nunavut who put in at a very early stage very strict travel restrictions limiting who could travel into Nunavut. And it was um, possible because every community in our territory is a flying community. So it was, it was more manageable to be able to limit who could travel into our jurisdiction. Um, one of the things that I want to highlight is that once um, the federal government committed to providing uh, funds specifically for Indigenous communities, and we um, became aware of how much was going to be allocated to Inuit. As the Inuit Tepere Kanatami Board, we determined how to further allocate that amongst the four Inuit Nunangat regions. And so in Nunavut, when we became aware that $22.5 million was going to be allocated to Nunavut, the Nunavut Tumabik Incorporated Board um, continue to, to this day, have regular um, board calls. And one of the things we determined was how to um, spend the money, um, how to allocate this money that was being directed for Nunavut Inuit. And one of the first announcements we made was to invest $1.25 million to address water and sewer delivery in our community. There are 25 communities in Nunavut, and we know that not everyone, not every household receives um, water delivery on a daily basis. And so when one of the public health measures uh, messages is to wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds, and we know that many houses are overcrowded, we know that Inuit, many Inuit have the mentality of conserving water. One of the measures we put in place and supported was to ensure that there's a daily water delivery so that Inuit could start wa using water and following the public health message and use water more liberally. The other um, initiative that we worked with the government of Nunavut with was to start addressing food insecurity. We know that many, with the schools closed, we know many children rely on the breakfast program or lunch program, whatever program each community has. And so the concern is knowing the statistics about um, the food insecurity challenge that we have, how do we support households when we're telling people to stay at home um, to practice physical distancing? How do we support them to be able to stay at home when they might not have the means? And so there's there was some investments made to ensure that the communities were in a position to address food security. Uh, another aspect of that was that we um, provided funds to each of the hunters and trappers organizations in each community so they could do a community hunt. And we asked that the hunters and trappers association would go and do the community hunt and whatever animals they harvested, 
they would then share that as um, in our cultural sharing mechanism, share that with a priority for elders, as well as widows and widowers, as well as anyone who was being self-isolating or in quarantine. I know that recently we had a false positive in one of our communities. It was ironic because the community where the false positive occurred was the community that had just had recently media attention because they didn't have a functioning and they still don't have a functioning water pump uh, in their community to be able to provide the water delivery. So each day the water truck drivers would have to go on top of the lake, drill a hole to be able to pump out water, to fill up the water tank and then be able in a position to deliver water into communities. So when we heard that there was a positive case in that community, it was it put even more of an urgency about these infrastructure deficits and how do we address that. Um, Some days later, and I say some days later because we don't have the diagnostic capacity in our territory yet um, to be able to um, determine whether or not uh, tests are positive or negative. And we very much depend on airlines to uh, provide not only our uh, food supply, medical supplies, but also to take out swabs from our territory to southern laboratories where these tests can occur. So once we found out that it was a false positive, I was so extremely um, pleased and proud of communities who had impromptu celebrations, and they weren't even part of the com- the community where the false positive occurred. So you could see on social media, for instance, a community outside of Pondinlet have an impromptu skidoo parade, which still practices physical distancing, but showed in a very community sense that we were extremely pleased and happy that there still was no confirmed COVID case in Nunavut. Aluki, as you noted, the number of cases of COVID-19 in Nunavut remains at zero Is there more you want to say about how communities themselves have kind of taken ownership over that outcome in terms of their responses, in terms of their strengths? I mentioned that the chief public health officer had put in strict travel restrictions. I think certainly that has helped. Um, The messaging on a daily basis um, from the government of Nunavut, from the public health messaging has been very helpful to uh, emphasize the importance of physical distancing about washing hands frequently. Um, And also, in addition to that, I think the living memory, the living history of Inuit being sent away from their families for tuberculosis um, in the 1940s and 1950s is still very uh, current in the memory of people. And so... I think people have taken it very um, seriously that we do not want to get to a point where this very infectious disease is rampant in our communities. And so people have been very creative in the way they continue to show community, um, the sense of community, the importance of illegal kinship. And and I've heard so many um, stories that have been shared with me, for instance, where young um, Inuit have gone off to get ice and have delivered them to different elders' homes. 
so that they can have ice water for their tea. I've I've heard uh, of many community initiatives that have encouraged staying at home um, by having window decorating um, initiatives, for instance. So thinking of different comp- competitions or contests that people can participate in from home. And um, I think that 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 I guess encourages the sense of community and connectedness amongst Inuit, which is very uh, helpful. I think many Canadians don't realize Nunavut is quite unique than other jurisdictions where the majority public majority language isn't French or English. But it's such a given for me. That was one of the first things that we did at NCI. Um, when the schools closed, we um, worked with um, Inhabit Media, who produces books in Inuktitut, and we said, okay, we need to have these all available um, electronically on this website, and we need audiobooks, someone reading them as well. And then we reached out to the federal government and said, hey, is anything going to be in Inuktitut? If you don't have the capacity, please send the material to us and we'll make sure it's available in Inuktitut because at the end of the day, we don't care whose responsibility it is. It needs to be done because it's a matter of life and life, you know, people need to understand. Aluki, we sometimes hear about a new normal as a result of COVID-19. How might that play out among Inuit communities? That That's a very interesting question because I know that um, I've been listening to the national news and I hear references to going back to normal. Well, I don't think we should go back to normal. I mean, I don't know what the normal was for other Canadians, but I think this is an opportunity to highlight the inequities in our territory, Inuit communities compared to other Canadian communities. And we shouldn't go back to normal where we just let it be as it is. Um, We need to look at it and start addressing the inequities. Um, Late last week, I was listening to the national news and there was commentary about the Canadian unemployment rate, how it was soaring to 13% and how aghast everyone is. And I have no ill will for any Canadians who are going through a hardship. But But I went back to my computer to look at what is the unemployment rate for Inu in Nunavut. And in 2016, according to the census, the unemployment rate for Nunavut Inuit was 22%. So I listened to the national narrative about some of the some of the very hard realities Canadians are now facing due to the global pandemic. And I sometimes catch myself thinking, but that's our normal. That's our day-to-day life that we've been trying to bring like to when we speak to the federal government, to the federal ministers, and we've been trying to say, we are Canadians too. We should be afforded the same sorts of life, quality of life, life expectancy as other Canadians. So when I hear people talk about back to normal, I hope that this very devastating and hard pandemic that we're all going through is used as a way to have those deeper discussions about how to address the inequities in our country. Aluki Kutup, thank you. Thank you very much.
This podcast was recorded on May 13th, 2020. To hear more podcasts in this series, head to the Voices from the Field homepage, located on the website of the National Collaborating Center for Indigenous Health, nccih.ca. Music on this podcast is by Blue Dot Sessions. It appears under a Creative Commons license. Learn more at www.sessions.blue.